Hello, beautiful rebels. Sam Goldsmith here and welcome to Her Great Rebellion, the podcast. This is the podcast that delivers the strategy and woo to alchemize your sacred inner rebel and create the freedom you desire rooted in deep emotional stability. Through thought work, sacred medicine and radical rebellion, we remember who we really are. As always, when we spend time here together every week, I'm going to ask you to take a few minutes to breathe together before we begin. This uh, series that's coming up across this season is an amazing series that is going to incorporate guests for the very first time. So I have a beautiful guest to introduce to you today, and our guests will be participating in our conscious breathing activity with us each and every episode as well. So as I've mentioned before, this is a sacred action that has radically transformed my own life in so many ways, and it's the way that we start all of our work together in boot camp. We are generally so busy running around from here to there, trying to fit everything in and trying to do more that we forget to breathe. So for now, let's just recognize our breath and breathing together in this way when we meet as an entry point into a sacred dimension and a moment for us to remember and recognize ourselves as sacred, uh, to open up sacred listening, sacred hearing, sacred feeling, and sacred understanding. I'm going to briefly just introduce you to my guest today. This is Kari Lee Cowell. And um, hi, Kari, are you there? Hello. Yeah. Hey, thank you. So Kari, I'm just going to invite you to breathe with us for a few moments, and then I'm going to share all of your juicy info with everybody, if that's okay. Absolutely great. Perfect. So wherever you are right now, let's just breathe together for a few moments. If you're listening in a place where you can close your eyes, then do so. But if you're in your car or you're walking your dog or have this playing in your headphones, just give some attention uh, to yourself or draw your energy or your attention inwards just for a few moments. Okay, so let's breathe in through our nose. And then gently and easily out of our mouths. Breathing here with an easy, natural rhythm and allowing your own body to take some breaths that are deeper, some more shallow, whatever feels easy and comfortable. Understanding that as you do this, your body is gently recalibrating itself to a state of ease. Let's connect to our hearts, to the energy that we feel around the area of our physical heart. And give the heart permission now to travel up to the mind and to gently quieten it down. Allow this quietness now to move over the top of your physical head and to run down the length of your body. Coating your whole body in a layer of calm. And as you continue to gently breathe, gently draw your attention to sensing the divine being or the energy that is residing underneath this layer of calm. You might like to reference this as your inner being, connection to your inner voice, whatever feels right for you. And as you breathe here, 
let's give this divine being or this presence permission to hear, interpret, process and feel anything and everything we talk about today in the perfect way for our highest good. Okay, beautiful being. So today we're kicking off a series of episodes with special guests, which is super exciting. I want to bring you some stories of unique radical rebellions and share the golden nuggets that my guests have mined from their own lived experiences, embodiment of their own work, and the ways that they now share all of that to help other women. So today we have a wonderful guest for you, and she's going to be talking all things freedom in relationships. Uh, and uh, I'd like to introduce you to Carrie Lou Cowell. She is the anti-soulmate love coach. How are you, Carrie? <laughs> I'm doing so well. Thank you so much for having me. I really um, am excited for us to have our conversation today. Yeah, so welcome. Even in our little lead up here, I had to stop myself from asking you more questions because I'm um, I'm so excited to hear what you've got to say. Let me just tell uh, listeners a little bit about you. So uh, Carrie's work helps people break free from harmful romantic conditioning so that they can create relationships that are really rooted in liberation, safety and vulnerability. She specializes in relationships that are outside of the norm. And we'll talk about that in, in a little while, but um, um, I'm sort of from the viewpoint that all relationships are pretty much outside of the norm. Um, so we'll we'll talk about that. But Carrie really helps her clients achieve increased self-love, better boundaries, helping people to heal from childhood trauma and create relationships with secure attachments where they feel safe to be vulnerable, authentic and uh, what she describes as a full messy human, which is lovely. So Carrie's bringing 22 years of lived experience in non-monogamy along with graduated level education or graduate level education in uh, clinical psychology and numerous trauma-informed wellness trainings to her work as a coach. And she's here to share all of that uh, with us today. So let's jump in and um, and get started. So uh, Carrie, can you tell us just a little bit about your, um, your story, like a brief sort of overview of your background and how you became passionate about helping women in the way that you do today? Yes. So I... Oh, it's honestly like a lifelong story, which I think a lot of us coaches have but really I grew up in a family that was very codependent my mom was narcissistic and abusive and there was something inside of me that that knew like my core value was authenticity and so like I rebelled and I fought and I like really had to make my own way in the world and what you know what I was told was love growing up I just inherently knew that was not love, right? Because love, I don't like to use shoulds generally, but like, you know, love is not um, control and uh, forcing someone into a box, which is what, you know, what was modeled as love in my family. And so forever on my mind was the question, what is love? And it's been a lifelong journey of really seeking that answer, which I don't really think there's ever an answer because life is the journey and not the destination. But, you know, it was a good place to start when I was nine. And, and it was just through like seeking the answer to this question and the other questions I had about like life and relationships and 
everything having to do with like really like interacting with other people and interacting with myself and intimacy um, that led me down the path that I took, which was loads of personal therapy, loads of self-help books, a clinical psychology graduate level education. Like I have half a doctorate in clinical psychology and a master's in psychology. And um, along with all of the other trainings that I have is really just like this answer, seeking these answers to what is love. Like, and that when I say love, I say like the entire course of self-love, love for others, you know, love for community, love for uh, the overarching well-being of people in of humanity, you know, everything. And during the pandemic, like during the lockdown, it really occurred to me because I also teach yoga. Um, and I thought like in 2020, I was like, I, I want to be my own boss by the end of this year. And little did any of us know like what was going to happen at the beginning of 2020. Um, but halfway through the year, I took a marketing course and, and I went in with the full intention of expanding the yoga business that I had already kind of started at the beginning of 2020. But as soon as the person, as soon as the facilitator said, if you're a multi-passionate, which I am, choose one thing to focus on in this course. And I heard this divine voice from the universe, you know, my higher self, it said, you're going to be a dating coach. And at the time it was, you're going to be a dating coach for nerds. Um, and that has shifted and changed <laughs> over my years in business. Um, but that really, I feel like that voice, that intuition really came from a childhood friend of mine who would always come to me for advice on relationships. And I mean, like most of my friends would come to me for advice on relationships. Um, you know, I've had so many people reflect to me, like you're the most grounded person I know. Um, and that's what they come to me for. And I, I was like, oh yeah, like this combines like my never ending search and journey to the question of like, what is love and how can we love better? It, and my background and my education in clinical psychology and wellness and spirituality. And, um, and it is something that I'm really passionate about. I, I'm really passionate about helping people. So I am really passionate about like um, anti-oppression work and systemic, like, you know, I don't know if solving is the right word, but like helping people create their own internal liberation. Because I, I had just, um, I was talking to someone earlier today and I said, well, none of us are free until we free ourselves. Yes. So that, all of those things combined was like, of course, I'm going to be the anti-soulmate love coach. Of course, I'm going to be helping people on this journey because I've taken it and I've taken it like my entire life and I've taken it, you know, for so long and it's backed by, you know, like formal education and trainings and things, but really like all of the combination of those different things has led me to this path of helping other people create that liberation in themselves and liberation in their relationships, whether it's relationships they're seeking or relationships that they're already in. Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. I just, there's so many little points I want to, I want to circle back to, but just this, um, 
in my work, I talk a lot about, you know, moving through the intellectual understanding of things to the um, embodiment of them and help and uh, what that what those processes mean and I just love working with people who have lived their own work and what I'm hearing in, in what you're saying is that you've actually embodied and um, translated this this work through yourself into the work that you're doing with people now which is you know I feel like the highest form of support and teaching and um and gift that we can offer other people through through our own experiences so um can we can I just go back and ask you about um this like grounded this grounding in authenticity that you say you've experienced from a really young age I'm really fascinated by that because a lot of um myself included a lot of work I do with women and myself included has been like a reclaiming of full authentic self-expression and Mm -hmm. the fact that you say you had that from such a young age and you had that innate kind of knowing or understanding of who you really were and how you could express yourself can you just speak to what that felt like as a young person I think it felt a lot like rebellion (laughs) honestly I you know and of course like who I am has shifted and changed over the years because that's life like we're fluid beings um but I knew, so my, I grew up in a very conservative household. Like my parents are old for older for my generation. My mom was born in 1950 and she very much wanted the like, leave it to beaver, white picket fence, like perfect marriage. And I know that a lot of it came from whatever trauma she had when she was, you know, before she adopted myself and my brother. Um, and. I just knew that like that normative, and I know that you said earlier that like you don't feel like any relationships are normal, but like, which is probably true, but like, I feel like that idea that at least in the States we've been told is like what a family should look like or what love or like romantic relationships should look like. I was like, that's not what I want. That's not who I am. Like, I'm never going to fit into this very, like my mom was very much into like the stereotypical 1950s American housewife femininity. Like, you know, you don't go out after dark and you don't run around with boys. I'm like, all of my friends were boys, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you know, you, you cross your legs and you like speak politely. And I'm like, I don't do any of those things just like naturally, you know, I would always, speak my mind and I have very clear memories of like you know when I was younger going clothing shopping with my mom and her picking out something that was very like socially conservative and me being like that's the ugliest thing I've ever seen and I mean like I have definitely gotten more tactful um as I got older but like Mm -hmm. like it was just I would just say and I feel like children do this all the time though honestly right like they just say what they're thinking And when she tried to tell me like, oh, I shouldn't say those things or, oh, you need to like not speak as loudly because I'm also very loud. I was very loud as a child as well um, when I was speaking. And and I just knew I was like, no, no, but that's what I believe to be true. So why would I not say the truth? Like, why would I not speak the truth? 
Yeah, I think it's so powerful just as a reflection point for us all to even to think back and just, you know, cast our mind's eye back to our childhood and think, is there a time that I can remember feeling like that? Because so many women just don't have that experience. There's so many layers of, you know, the conditioning and the boxing and all those things that you mentioned on top of it, that it is sometimes through, you know, years of personal therapy and everything else that women reconnect to this moment of like, Oh, actually I do remember who I, who I am. And I knew who I was, but then society or parent parental structures or schooling or whatever kind of, um, put all those layers over the top. So I think it's such a beautiful reminder, um, that you're sharing of just, you know, reconnecting to a part of ourselves that knew that we were, okay and that we could express ourselves from that place of truth it did exist and you know we have the opportunity to reconnect to it okay cool so um i want to talk a little bit about the actual work that you do um and i you said that you are helping people sort of break free from the societal conditioning around romance and sex and relationships and i love that you said the idea of the one in inverted commas is uh, rooted in a lack is rooted in lack and creates like turmoil and confusions and feelings of worthlessness in people, even when they're in a relationship. So what kind of, um, what kind of explorations are you doing with people in your work around that? A lot of the people I end up working with are exploring non-monogamy um they're also like late blooming queers or late blooming lesbian um and it really is like deconditioning from the idea that they have to be like that being attracted to males is like the you know the thing mm-hmm. um or that like they have to be like that um I mean, for me, the example is always like that 50s housewife, that very stereotypically like feminine woman, right? Um, and that's not obviously everybody's story, but that's the easiest example that I can give and helping them see that they can have whatever they want in a relationship, whether that is the more like fairy tale romance that we see like splashed across like the celebrity gossip mags or like you know on our reality tv shows um or in like our romantic comedies or something that is outside of the box whether that's multiple partners or you know being married but living separately or you know whatever it is like I always say that like one of the things that I help people do is figure out like what their unique expression of relationship is that would make them feel the most fulfilled. Yeah. And I think that, um, even regardless of, um, of orientations of, of any kind, we are so conditioned in our society to, believe that you know we've got to find this one and when we find that one everything's going to work out or everything's going to suddenly become easier or fall into place and in actual fact the one (laughs) or the person we're destined to create this relationship with can often be the person that's unleashing like the wildest triggers (laughs) you know and opportunities for growth for us as well so it's a really um the reality is a very is very different to that stereotype typical picture that um, is created for us um, you know during our childhood and our upbringing so in working with people 
um, I guess I'm, I just want to speak broadly to uh, to the whole community that's listening um, around this concept of feeling like you're um, you're failing if you're if you're not um, fitting into sort of the standards that society is sort of conditioning us to or telling us that we should be. What sort of um, challenges do you think arise for women when they really start to challenge that? I mean, I feel like because the conditioning is so strong, like the biggest challenge is internal. So if you think about it, right, like just just very logically, um, there's 7.7 billion people in the world, uh, which is a lot of people. So like even when you siphon out for like age, attraction, location like all of those things I feel like that has to still leave you with like at on the very very small end like a hundred people that you can like date or find or like you know marry or whatever in you know given all of the like desires that you have for a partner or partners and like that's still a lot of people like in the grand scheme of things it's not like you especially I muted myself. Um, <laughs> um, wait, so I don't know if you heard any of that. Yeah, yeah, I just heard, just missed the last couple of seconds if you want to okay. repeat that. Right, so even if you are monogamous and you're just looking for one person to spend the rest of your life with, like, that's all you need is just one out of a hundred. And like, so maybe it takes you like a year or two to go on a hundred dates, but eventually you're going to find that one. And I fully believe, and this is why I call myself the anti-soulmate love coach, because I mean, I do believe in soulmates. I have a very, um, I am very spiritual. Um, I have a, I have a very strong connection to spirit, but I don't believe that like soulmates are necessarily like a romantic connection. They can be, but they don't have to be like one of my greatest and best soulmates is my best friend um who I'm not romantic with at all and when we can drop this idea that there's only one person there's only one soulmate and that soulmate is the person that we're meant to spend the rest of our lives with it just allows us so much more freedom and I feel like the biggest internal struggle is really one letting go of that idea and two knowing that the people that you could create like a long-term relationship with are the people who might not actually be as exciting as we've been made to believe that romance should feel so if you look to like romantic comedies and I know you mentioned like you know sometimes the people um that we're like meant to be with are you know can often trigger us the most which is also true yes um and like we, we are so meant not meant we are so conditioned to believe that love is a roller coaster if you look at the reality tv shows um that are on like netflix uh like the ultimatum or like love is blind um 
or even just like at the romantic comedies, it's like there's always this like push and pull between the two main characters. There's always this push and pull when it comes to love until eventually, you know, everything works out in the end and everybody's happy or even in like the fairy tales, right? Like Sleeping Beauty pricks her finger on the spindle or needle or whatever it is falls asleep and the knight has to go fight dragons and fight maleficent to like go wake her up with a kiss um so maybe not in that example like there's no like push and pull between like sleeping beauty and the prince but there's still a push and pull like you know this journey this like great dramatic journey that the prince has to go on to like get his love so we are very much conditioned to think like love is supposed to be this roller coaster love is supposed to be dramatic we're supposed to feel like the spark quote unquote when oftentimes if we are trying to create a relationship with people who are emotionally mature and can um regulate themselves in the way that is needed to create stable relationships it might not actually feel like that it might actually feel kind of boring so that's like the biggest struggle um as well is like discerning your adrenaline rush from like actual excitement Oh my goodness. I'm so glad you're sharing this. And I really, really want women listening to allow this to land with them in their bodies because it's, this is prolific in our culture for women. And I talk about this from my own experience of being raised in an abusive household also, and being conditioned to believe that certain things about what love is. And, you know, many of them you mentioned at the beginning of this episode, but for me, really discerning between that um, chemical rush and what is really true compatibility has been a huge part of healing and recovering from being in an abusive relationship myself. So I think this conversation is so important and it's we should be having it with um, like pre-pubescent girls because we need mm-hmm. to um we need to change this dialogue or this narrative around what romantic love is and how it's supposed to feel and you know the idea of something feeling boring it's so it's so um it's so relevant and it's also so dissatisfying even to women to hear it because we don't want to you know we want to have the the spark and the excitement and the roller coaster and it seems exciting and it makes us feel, you know, quote unquote alive or people feel mm-hmm. this aliveness that's associated with it. And um, one of the things we talk about in human design is that sometimes those um, interactions that we feel with people in whatever context, romantic love, friendships or partnerships of any kind, it can actually be that they're just sort of connecting with an open or a, a potentially um kind of sticky point within us that um makes us feel like we're drawn to them or connected to them in some exciting powerful way that's not necessarily the case like I've had that with my own um ex-partner where I do see that potentially I'm attracted to him in a way because he's a very good genetic match for me to create sort of new life and we've had a child together and so this 
pull that I feel with him is very like primal and genetic in nature. Mm-hmm. It's not actually um, a sign that we are compatible or that we're a good match to be you know, living this life together. So I think helping women to really ground into that um, emotional stability around making choices, using discernment, listening to themselves, feeling how things are reacting in their own bodies when they're being presented with all of these different situations, people and so forth is such a powerful powerful tool that we could be helping particularly young women more with just on that um what do you feel about this idea of um chemistry versus compatibility you know like people are always like oh I want chemistry I honestly I feel like chemistry is total bullshit Um, okay (laughs) I really do because just like you were talking about especially for those of us who grew up with abuse or narcissism or some sort of childhood trauma. And this is why a lot of the work that I do with my clients at the beginning is healing that childhood trauma. But for those of us who grew up with childhood trauma, we have a muscle memory or like an emotional memory that that is supposed to be normal. And so when we seek out, like we a big part of my psychology background was in child development because I wanted to work with children because obviously like those are the formative years of our life. And it's just like, I, I love working with children. Um, and, and the system unfortunately just hurts my heart too much. So it wasn't the best fit for me. Um, but we learn how to be in relation with other people from the household that we grew up in. And so if we experienced childhood trauma, whatever that looks like, that is what we will consider normal. That is what will feel safe to our nervous system. And I can speak to this on a personal level because I know when I first um, started dating my partner who literally was everything that I wanted that I had wrote down in my manifestation journal. I was like, I want a partner with all these qualities and I want someone who doesn't text me all the time because I hate texting people and I want all of these other things. I freaked out because my, because I was so used to either, I mean, I've been very, uh, privileged to date a lot of emotionally stable people, but I would create my own drama in that relationship because my body was like, wait, what this, this emotional stability is unsafe because I'm not used to it. And that was like in my younger days. But then even as I grew older, then I started dating people who were really good, really good to me. Also people that I felt like needed a little bit of push to like go in, you know, whatever direction they wanted to go in their lives. And once I dropped creating my own drama. And once I dropped finding people whose potential I fell in love with more than I fell in love with who they actually were and started dating somebody who I didn't have to do anything with, my nervous system freaked out. I had like at least one anxiety attack while we were dating. Um, And and it just felt very rocky because it was not something that my nervous system recognized as normal and when we don't recognize something as normal that's when those like trauma responses kick in so if you've been attuned to trauma trauma is going to feel normal 
Right. And even just bridging this um, idea of, you know, like um, trauma doesn't have to be the sort of all encompassing kind of textbook horrible scenario that we might read about that our Mm -hmm. upbringing can just expose us to um to traumas in that we the you know us not being sort of tended to or cared for or spoken to or spoken about in the way that our unique um human needed to Mm -hmm. in that situation so even those conditionings of the household we grew up in maybe seeming um superficially very kind of nice and perfect and everything how it should be but there's there's undercurrents that are inherent in that that can also be traumatizing that might be you know the place we have to start to look at when we're right when we're looking at trauma yeah right exactly and sometimes it's not you know like the things that we were shamed for sometimes it's the things that we were praised for like if any of us like I always say I'm a recovering workaholic if you're a workaholic some of that has been reinforced by either making a lot of money or people telling you you're amazing or strong or whatever because you're doing, you know, the thing, which may or may not be good for you. I'm not, you know, I'm not anyone but myself, so I can't say for anybody else. But like a lot of times the things that we get praised for are not necessarily like the best things for us either. So there's there's so much nuance and complexity to dive into when you're working with humans and interpersonal relationships. And even if, you know, let's say you did grow up in like a non-traumatic family or like something that is considered like more quote unquote normal. um, Even if you've been through a number of relationships that were not great for you or that were very triggering for you that can also affect um how you enter into romantic relationships now because if you have a history of like men treating you badly or like being ghosted all the time you're still bringing those fears or whatever other emotions um that those experiences have created in you into your future relationships you really have to be aware of all of these things in order to be able to calm your nervous system and choose a different path right and when um when you're working with women or even just for women listening they may um i'll share your details and things like that of course for people to to look more deeply at your work but when you when you're working with women or they're beginning to explore these concepts, I know you said, you know, the hardest thing about it is um, really kind of staying true to yourself, even when it's triggering other people or upsetting the status quo. What kind of tips do you have for women to kind of navigate that? Because I guess once, once you start um, enacting or reenacting boundaries or, you know, um, changing the way that people might people might have a perception of you and then you decide well hey that's actually not for me or I've decided that this suits me better or I'm going to explore this and all of that um sort of rocky road comes up where we're still interacting with the people in our lives but being challenged by not fitting into the way that they may have always perceived us what kind of tips do you have for women for navigating that new I guess it's like a finding a new foundation or a new um, place of internal emotional stability 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think the number one tip I have for people who are doing new things or like, you know, really rooting into their authentic selves, which could be very different from the face that they have presented to the outside world is to sit with the discomfort and it's not fun. Um, and And it is also so necessary because the only way we can expand into creating or like rooting into our authentic identities, especially if you've been like putting on the mask of essentially what is people pleasing and being what other people want you to be, it can throw the people in your life for a loop. And I will be totally honest with you. Like once you start, and I'm not saying this to like make anyone afraid of rooting into their authentic selves, but like once you start doing that, it is entirely possible that like people will leave. And being able to just sit with that discomfort of not even like, right, because people leaving is like the most, you know, one of the more like, um, I guess, dramatic, for lack of a better word, one of the more dramatic things that may happen, but like even just... I feel it's like it's a very real thing though, you know, like this is often, women might be kind of um, mentally filtering what you're saying for themselves and a lot of what we fear of speaking our truth and being seen for who we really are and sharing that is traced back to the fear that people will leave, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think it's like a very powerful um driver for for keeping people quiet and small and boxed so please feel free to speak powerfully on that because i that's something i think in personal development world we don't talk about it enough we talk about how you know there's ease and flow and everything's going to get better and blah 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 but the reality is that there is the duality of you know things will be better and things may be harder and that's okay Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that is okay. And I think that especially when it comes to authenticity journeys, things on some level have to get worse before they get better because you're breaking down everything, not just for yourself, but also for the people around you. And and really like the human brain on the survival end of things is not made for change, right? Like the lizard brain part of us is like if change happens then we'll die right like that's very base base Mm. you know primal instinct right if there's a change we might die and and so not only are you activating that in yourself when you decide to take this authenticity journey you're also activating that in other people but part of that so like along with being able to sit in the discomfort and again like you have the very um, extreme example of people leaving, but really even just sitting in the discomfort of allowing yourself to be vulnerable with other people in your life. And that's like the other tip is like, start small and be vulnerable. And and you don't have to, like, I feel like I kind of, you know, popped out of the womb with guns blazing and was like, world, here I am. And I know that's not like everybody's story. Um, start with a little thing like if there's something that bothers you just say like hey I was bothered by this thing and then just wait 
and see what the response is. I think so often, especially as women, I feel like we're so trained to make sure that everybody is okay, whether that's like actually okay, like physically in the home or, you know, whatever setting we're in or like emotionally okay. I feel like we're so trained to make sure everyone's okay. And that's part of sitting in the discomfort too, is like saying your vulnerable truths and then just sitting back and waiting and not immediately leaping to I'm so sorry, or are you okay? Or, you know, let me make sure that I I pad this in such a way that I won't bother anybody. Mm, I love that. That is like gold nugget of advice right there. Thank you. Um, I was just going to share, Carrie. like um, we didn't get to talk today about some of the um, the other work that you do. And um, I know in your bio you talk about, um, you know, um, working with people around these narratives and deconditioning for romance and relationships, but you like talking about non-monogamy and kink and BDSM and things like that, which we can maybe talk about in another episode because I think that would be, um, a great conversation but for me personally I just love this groundedness that you bring to encompassing the whole view of um, of that deconditioning because sometimes these concepts the like the work that you do it can be very polarizing and people either categorize themselves as you know like I fit into this or this makes sense to me and that's okay and that's not okay and or even that's right and that's wrong and and that sort of thing and I find that a lot of people speaking in that space don't come with this um, connection of energy that I feel from you when you speak around uh, the inclusiveness of all of that with whatever relationship people or orientation people want to have so I just really appreciate um you sharing from that really grounded centered space thank you I really appreciate that yeah I try to I mean especially because I myself am non-monogamous and you know like I said I, I never wanted the I remember being like 13 years old sitting in we were moving at the time sitting in the U-Haul being like I'm never getting married and I'm never having kids um and so like you know just I always try to be so inclusive of different things because everybody is different and we all have our unique gifts to bring to this world. And we all have our unique ways of relating to others. And I want everyone to experience the freedom that I have felt and feel in and the love and support that I receive from my friends and my, and my, you know, lovers I want everyone to have that. It's just so important to me because we're communal creatures. We need community. We need human touch. We need love. And everybody deserves that. Everybody's worthy of that. So beautiful. All right. Well, we've been talking for nearly an hour. It's just flown uh, flown by. So I'm going to have to uh, stop us there and say thank you so much for sharing everything that you've shared today. This discussion is so important and it's really just the tip of the iceberg for um, opening up these lines of communication in relation to 
you know, freedom in relationships, really. Uh, so for listener, if you're listening, if you'd like to learn more about uh, Kerry's work, you can check her out on Instagram. She's the anti-soulmate love coach. And of course, I'll be sharing all of her info in the show notes as well. Is there anywhere else people can find you or any um, freebies or downloads or anything that you've got available for people, Carrie? Yes. So I have a free Facebook group. It is the Anti-Soulmate Love Group. And I also have an opt-in for my email newsletter. I send out newsletters twice a month. Um, If you go to the link in my bio on Instagram, you can find all of the links for those in that bio link. Um, But I can also send them to you as well, Sam, if you want to put direct links in there. Awesome. Great. I will definitely do that. And I'll be posting on Facebook and Instagram and all the things and also out to my uh, newsletter uh, community also. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Kerry. It was such a delight to talk with you today. Thank you. It was my pleasure. This was such a great conversation. So good. Okay, everybody, this season, I'm so looking forward to exploring more with you here on the podcast each and every week. So hit subscribe if you haven't already. And if you enjoyed the episode, please rate it and leave a review. Uh, it shows up for more people if we if we uh, review it and share it in that way. If you haven't already done so, please jump onto my website at www.samanthagoldsmith.com and download my free self-doubt eraser meditation. Uh, and you can also visit Amazon now for copies of my new book, Her Great Rebellion. And remember, if you are ready to achieve radical results and experience all the freedom that you desire, jump onto the website and check out Rebel Life Bootcamp for lifetime access to the materials and community that will support that. Until then, uh, sit deep, live radically, and do you, my sovereign sister. I'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.